Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. What was the fitna that hit them? The fitna that hit them was when Banu Israel was leaving Egypt. When Banu Israel was leaving Egypt, they had some gold that their masters have give, had given them. Now someone can ask, what was this gold doing with them? إِنَّ مَعَكُمْ حُلِيًّا مِنْ حُلِيِّ آلِ فِرْعَوْنِ وَكَانَ لَهُمْ عِيدٌ يَتَزَيَّنُونَ فِيهِ وَيَسْتَعِينُونَ مِنَ الْقِبْتِ حُلِيَّ فَاسْتَعَارُوا لِذَلِكَ الْيَوْمِ The Banu Israel had some days of celebration and they wanted some jewelry to wear on those celebration days. They had borrowed some, borrowed some jewelry from the Egyptians. Now they had this jewelry in their hand and it was while they had possession of it that Allah commanded them, leave. Leave Egypt. So they took the jewelry with them. This jewelry did not belong to them. It belonged to the people who were their masters in, in Egypt. There was a person amongst them. His name was As-Samiri. What was his name? As-Samiri. His name as narrated by Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi, wasmuhu Musa ibn Dhafar. His name was Musa, the son of Dhafar. يُنْسَبُ إِلَىٰ قَرْيَةٍ تُدْعَى سَامِرَةٍ He was called Samiri because of attribution to a city called Samira. وُلِدَ عَامَ قَتْلِ الْأَبْنَاءِ He was born the year the children were being killed. أَخْفَتْهُ أُمُّهُ فِي كَهْفِ جَبَلٍ His mother hid him inside a cave. Musa alayhi mother put him inside a basket. Samiri's mother, Musa al-Samiri's mother put him inside a Cave. She put him in a basket too, but rather than putting him in the water, she put him in the cave. Here Musa salam is being taken by Fir'aun, taken care of by Fir'aun. There that Musa, As-Samiri, starts crying in the cave. And while he's there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends Jibreel alayhi salam, فَغَذَّاهُ Jibril salam came and would feed him during that time. What Musa As-Samiri learned was growing up, that whenever Jibreel would leave, wherever the foot of his animal would put ground, make contact with the ground, something would grow there. There was some life there. Something special. So he took some of that soil and he saved it. Maybe one day I'll need it. He held on to it. Other scholars, they say what happened was that when Jibreel came, while Banu Israel was in the middle of the water that was separated, and... Banu Israel was leaving, and as Fir'aun and his people were coming in, Jibreel was standing there with his horse, waiting for them to enter so they can release the punishment of Allah on them. When Jibreel lifted the hoof of his animal from the ground, there was something that grew there. And Samiri immediately, He immediately picked up something from there, some soil from there, thinking that there must be some special effect to the soil. Now he had the soil in his hand, he stood up and said to the people, O oh people, Everyone has some gold that doesn't belong to them. You will give me the gold and I will melt it. Give me the gold and I will melt it. 
Now this Musa al-Samiri, وَكَانَ السَّامِرِيُّ سَمِعَ قَوْلَهُمْ إِجْعَلْ لَنَا إِلَٰهًا كَمَا لَهُمْ When they crossed over out of Egypt, people said to Musa salam, give us an idol that we can worship. He remembered that statement of theirs. So he gathered all the gold and he melted it down. When he melted it down, it took the shape of a calf, which was hollow from within. So whenever the wind passed through it, it made like a whistling sound, some sort of a noise came out of it. People thought this noise was divine and they began to attribute it to Musa As-Samiri. Some narrations say that he, he created this shape of a calf that was hollow from within. It wasn't full because that's not how much gold they had. They only had enough to create a, a shell of it. And he took the soil that was in his hand and he put it inside. And for some reason that soil was causing the noise. That, um, that soil was causing the noise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately informs um, Musa salam that your people have taken um, a calf as their, as their Lord. Musa salam immediately rushes back. When he comes back, he sees his brother Harun, he says, My brother, what did you do? Right? Or actually in another place, he says to him, that what have you done? Yeah, Harun salam said, لا تأخذ بلحيتي ولا برأسي that when, when Musa salam, he came rushing back, he said to his brother Harun, that I left you behind as a successor behind me, and look what happened. Everyone here is worshipping a calf, and I left them on Tawheed, it's been one month, and look at these people. So Harun salam, immediately tells Musa salam, that these people were not going to listen to him. And the only way he would have to work against them would be through some force. And if he used force, it would have caused massive divide. And you would come back to a broken up Banu Israel. And then you would say, Oh Harun, you should have been wise, you divided my people. Right, as we know in the Quran as well. So now what? What do we do now? Now that ayah can be used the other way around too, by the way. So I want to be honest, because well fitna there, as to according to the tafsir of many of the Mufassirun is well fitna tul kufri. Ashaddu min al-qatil. And that would be the argument of Musa salam then. That if people died, that's a side, but they did kufr. That's a, that's a, that's a greater sin uh, than, than killing. So Musa salam immediately he turns his attention to the culprit behind all of this. And he says, Ma khatbuka ya Samiri? What is your story, O Samiri? So then Musa, Samiri, he explains the whole story that this is what I did. Musa salam comes to know that this man did this to get fame. He wanted, to be, he wanted to be the center of people. Therefore, he called people towards a righteous call. All of you have filthy, impure money, give it to me, let's dispose of it. It was a righteous call. Therefore, people looked at him as being more pious since he was calling them such a great, calling them to purify themselves of impure money. But then he said that this, then he, he made it sound like that this creation of his had some sort of a divine nation, which made him the center now, the important person, because he was behind the manufacturing of this new divine God that they thought was in front of them. When Musa salam found out that this was his intent and this is what was going on, he said to him, إِنَّ لَكَ فِي الْحَيَاةِ إِنَّ لَكَ فِي الْحَيَاةِ أَن تَقُولَ لَا مِسَاس Moving forward you will say, لَا مِسَاس لَا مِسَاس means don't touch. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inflicted him with an illness because of which he couldn't be touched. He would be in extreme pain. And he was made to leave the land, he was exiled. 
And a man that thrived on fame was now in a position where no one could touch him, no one could come close to him. And that was the punishment given to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, there's a poem that Arabs, they share regarding the story of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. They say that Musa alayhi salam, if you reflect over his story, what you learn is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses whoever he wants for the khidmah of the deen. There's no particular profile. Allah uses anyone. They give the example. Musa alladhi rabbahu Jibra'ilu kafiru wa Musa alladhi rabbahu fir'aunu mursalu The Musa who grew up under the care of Jibreel became a kafir. And the Musa who grew up under the care of Fir'aun became a prophet. Musa alladhi rabbahu Jibra'ilu kafiru wa Musa alladhi rabbahu fir'aunu mursalu This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things. We ask Allah to make us from the righteous. Never get too comfortable with yourself. Oh, my dad was a scholar, so I have to be a scholar. My mother was a scholar, so I have to be a scholar. Allah isn't forced to do anything. It's all dependent on who you are and what you make of yourself. Don't let anyone limit you. The sky is the limit and beyond that. You have to want it. You have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it. You have to beg Allah for it. And then Allah will give to you. And when Allah gives it to you, make sure you're there to take it. Make sure you're there to receive it. What happened to the people who worshipped the calf? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, those who took this calf as their Lord, the, the punishment and anger of Allah came to them. What is the ghadab of Allah? Dhulla fil hayat, that they had disgrace while they lived in the world. Uh, and the punishment set for these people was that they would be killed. Those who had done sajda to this idol, these idols would be killed. Musa salam then presented the revelation that he just came back with to the people. These people, they said to Musa salam, how do we know you didn't just make all of this up? How do we know you're actually speaking to Allah? Musa salam saying, what are you proposing? They said, we want you to go back and speak to your Lord again. We will send people and they will watch you speak to Allah. Originally Musa salam was reluctant, but these people became stubborn and they said, we won't accept revelation any other way. So Musa salam then made a, filed a request with Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted the request. Musa salam selected the 70 most intelligent righteous people. وَاخْتَارَ مُوسَىٰ قَوْمَهُ سَبْعِينَ رَجُلًا لِمِيقَاتِنَا He selected um, 70 people to go and meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, when these people came, they saw Musa salam conversing with Allah through a medium. Some narrations say Musa salam was, was conversing with a cloud, and that cloud was how he was conversing with Allah. They said, oh Musa, are we supposed to believe that cloud is Allah really? We're not fools here. We want to see Allah talking to you with our own eyes. We won't believe until we see Allah with our own eyes talking to you. What happened that moment? The punishment of Allah came instantly. They all died. All of those people, all 70 of them were dead. Now here Musa salam is thinking that these guys just died. When I go back to Banu Israel, they're going to think I plotted and killed them. 
these were the people who were supposed to verify I'm a prophet, they're going to turn against me. So he said, Ya Allah, are you going to punish us and destroy us because of what some fools did? Right? Some, some, some fools said some things, not all of them, and all of us are destroyed. Musa alayhi salam made dua to Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted the dua. And then Allah says, ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَاكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوْتِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ We brought them back to life. So that they know, so that they should be thankful. Now where is the shukr in this? The shukr in this was, they didn't wake up all at once, they woke up one at a time. And they saw their brothers dead. And they got a chance to witness resurrection from death. Which is one of the secrets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَعَلَّكُمْ so you could be thankful with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some ulama, they say, that the death they experienced was not literally a death. They define, ثُمَّ بَعَثَنَاكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوْتِكُمْ أَيْ عَلَّمْنَاكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ جَهْلِكُمْ بَعَثْنَاكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوْتِكُمْ أَيْ عَلَّمْنَاكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ جَهْلِكُمْ that doesn't mean Allah gave them death. Rather what it means is that Allah gave them knowledge after ignorance. This is how some people have read it. They've avoided from keeping these statements from being literal. Other scholars, they've said that this sort of explanation is not necessary. This is actually a very literal because we have places in the Quran where Allah caused death to people and then gave them life again. أَلَمْ الَّذِينَ there is another place in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surah Baqarah, verse number um, 234, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of a people who were destroyed, death came to them, and then Allah gives them life again. We also have an example in Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, I bring the dead back to life with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Banu Israel, when they returned, they started practicing the command of Musa alayhi salam. But they were an ungrateful people. Ungrateful people. They came to Musa salam and they said, Oh Musa, you've been very kind and generous, your Lord has been kind and generous, but how long do you expect us to continue eating man and salwa? We don't want man and salwa anymore, we want our cucumbers again. We want our garlic again. We want our onions again. We want our lentils again. We want the old food, we don't want this meat anymore. Musa salam's response is very beautiful. He says, Are you trying to trade out the better for the, the superior for the inferior? Meat is viewed as being superior. Vegetables are considered to be inferior. So you're going to go back to being a vegetarian after Allah has made all this meat available to you? Is that where you're going to go backwards? You're going backwards? By the way, where I'm a big fan of eating meat, we eat too much meat. I just want to point that out. So I don't want you to think this ayah applies to us. You know, eating meat at the rate we eat it at is very problematic. I'm talking about people eating meat two, three, four times a day. You know, maybe eat meat once a week, twice a week, but eating meat three, four, five times, and I'm guilty of this too, by the way. That's why it's a, it's a problem that we all have, where when it comes to eating meat, it's a little too much. There should be a little bit more balance in our diet as well. May Allah give us tawfiq. Why did these people ask... Musa alayhi salam to change their diet? This is a question. Imam al-Razi rahmatullahi alayhi addresses this and he says, 
There are multiple possibilities. Al-awwalu, annahum lamma tanawalu thalika nnaw al-wahid arba'ina sanatan malluhu fashtahu ghayrahu. That maybe they ate man and salwa for 40 years, and after 40 years you get tired of eating the same thing, so they desired something else. والثاني, the second possibility, لَعَلَّهُمْ فِي أَصْرِ الْخِلْقَةِ فِي أَصْرِ الْخِلْقَةِ مَا تَعَوَّدُوا ذَلِكَ النَّوْءِ وَإِنَّمَا تَعَوَّدُوا السَّائِرِ الْأَنْوَاعِ وَرَغْبَةُ الْإِنسَانِ فِي مَعْتَادَهُ فِي أَصْرِ الْتَرْبِيَةِ That maybe growing up in Egypt, they weren't used to eating all this much meat. They were used to maybe eating simpler foods, vegetables, cheaper foods. So when a person is used to something, you can offer them the most expensive thing, but if they're not used to eating it, then they don't, they don't like it. My mother, rahimahullah, she grew up as a Hindu, and in the Hindu religion, they don't eat meat. So if you offered her meat or vegetable, she would eat the vegetable any day. If my mother made meat, you can taste it, because that was something that she was still learning in her life, how to make meat. But if you told her to make anything vegetarian, oh my Allah, she would make it in the most delicious fashion. I'm not kidding you guys. Like there was vegetable food that I've seen people make, and there's vegetable food that my mother used to make. And it was just out of the world. Because that was something that she grew up making. She had expertise in this. She was used to making it. So this is the second thing he says, that when someone's habitual in doing something, that's all they'll want. They won't be happy with something else offered, even if that other thing is amazing. Even if it's crab legs, or if it's steak, or whatever it is that you people like, they're not going to like it. Because that's not something they grew up eating. They'll want dal chawal. Give my kebab roti, give me some handi, give me some, you know, Karai Goshen, I'll eat that. I don't need any of this extra stuff. It's too much. Athalithu, the third possibility, Allah Razi says that they may have asked for a change in the, in, in the meal plan. لَعَلَّهُمْ مَلُّوا مِنَ الْبَقَاءِ فِي التِّيهِ فَسَأَلُوا هَذِهِ الْأَطْعِمَ أَلَّتِي لَا تُوجَدْ إِلَّا فِي الْبِلَادِ وَغَرَضُهُمْ الْوُصُولِ إِلَى الْبِلَادِ لَا نَفْسُ تِلْكَ الْأَطْعِمَ That maybe they were asking about a meal, a menu, that cannot be found but in the cities. And in this valley, as long as they remained, they would get these foods. So they asked for foods that were available in the cities so that they would be given permission to go there and now they can go and intermingle with people and go and live in the cities too. So he says, um, They didn't want the food, they actually wanted the social company. They wanted to go to those villages and cities. And the fourth opinion is الرابعو, That when a person eats one food again and again, they lose their desire. Right? It could be a sexual passion they lose. It could be just a desire in food they lose, which will bring weakness in them. So they needed a change in their diet. And they asked, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed them with that too. Two more things we'll cover and then we'll close. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a part of His commands in the, in the Torah, He said to Banu Israel that you cannot work on Saturday. You cannot work on Saturday. That's a day you cannot work on. That's why until today you'll see um, Jews religiously practice the Sabbath. They won't turn their stoves on. They won't work. They won't do much. They'll, they'll focus on their ibadah. This is why the Prophet ﷺ used to go to Quba every Saturday. Because the Jews couldn't avoid him. They'd be sitting at his door. He would walk past them on, on Sabt to Quba from Medina Munawar. He would go to, um, to Quba and he would say salam to them and meet them. And the Jews would live on the way. He would interact with them, socialize with them. Salam alaikum, how are you doing? It would be a chance for him to interact with those folks as well. Now, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of this prohibition in the Quran. وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُمُ الَّذِينَ عَتَدَوْ مِنْكُمْ فِي السَّبْتِ فَقُلْنَا لَهُمْ كُونُوا قِرَدَةً خَاسِئِينَ That Allah told these people not to work on Saturday. What did they do? What they did was, they, the fishermen in particular, they noticed that the waters would be empty Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday what would happen? All the fish would be there. The fish have intelligence too. They know where it's going to be empty, where no one is there. They go to those places. So they said that we fish six days a week on one side, but if we fish on Saturday, we can make more money than we do for six days of work. So what we'll do is, we won't fish on Saturday. We'll just place our nets Friday night. What are we going to do? Place the net Friday night. The water will throw the fish into the net. We won't fish. We won't go anywhere near the net on Saturday. But come Sunday, we'll go and pull the net out. They tried to play a trick with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Trick on you. That let you turn into um, losing monkeys. Khasi means someone who loses out. Um, and qirada means to turn into um, monkeys. Now, the scholars have differed in opinion on what this actually means, that they turn into monkeys. Some ulama, they write, Mujahid says, قُلْنَا لَهُمْ كُونُوا قِرَدَ اَيْ مَسَخَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَلَمْ يَمْسُخُوا قِرَدَ He says that their hearts turned into that of monkeys, like animals, they weren't functioning, meaning they lost guidance from their heart. Not that their faces actually changed into that of monkeys. There was no actual transfiguration, transformation that occurred. This is whose position? Mujahid's position. That this musk that took place, it was musk of the heart. Their hearts lost their ability to comprehend, to understand, to appreciate revelation. They had become like animals. Lost. Losers. It wasn't actually their faces that changed. And they say, um, Mujahid bases this off of an ayah of the Qur'an, where Allah gives the example of a people who don't practice what they, what they know like donkeys. So he draws the analogy from there. Abu Aliya says, It doesn't mean they were turned into monkeys, rather they lost value. Just as people don't have value for monkeys, these people also lost their respect and honor. While other ulama, they say that means that they were actually turned into they were actually turned into monkeys. And this is a study and a theory and an opinion that many historians have held, Muslim and also non-Muslim. That they were a group of the Jews who, because they violated revelation, were um, given this punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The last point I want to mention, as a part of the ungrateful nature of Banu Israel, is that a group, a group of Banu Israel started making accusations against Musa salam. They noticed Musa salam was very humble. And he was very... Um, modest as well. He wouldn't bathe publicly with people. He didn't like that. That wasn't Musa salam. He's a prophet of Allah. He would privately go where no one can see him and bathe there alone. People would generally bathe together and he wouldn't bathe with people. So people started making accusations. Maybe the reason why Musa salam doesn't bathe with us is because maybe he has some deformity. Some said it was a skin tone color that he had off. They claimed that he had abras, which is an illness where a part of the skin turns white. Um, leprosy, if you may say, Akmaha and Abras. Some say that, um, some, started, some opinions say that some people from Banu Israel claimed that there was something wrong with his 
reproductive organ, but this private area, something was wrong with that. They started making accusations against him. Some, so, okay. Now, regarding these two, what happened, if, if you hold this position that this is what they did to harm Musa salam, to hurt him, Ya Musa, Allah says in the Quran, do not be like those who made an attempt to hurt Musa salam. These are two tafsirs of the ayah, that these were two accusations they made in order to hurt Musa salam. According to these, according to these two opinions, the Prophet tells us what happened was one day Musa salam was bathing, he placed his garments on a stone, and the stone ran. Musa salam followed the stone. There were one or two people who saw, and their doubts were removed. Musa salam put his clothes back on. فَبَرَّأَهُ اللَّهُ مِمَّا قَالُوا Allah purified him from their false accusations. وَكَانَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَجِيهًا Now, the third opinion on this issue, that they hurt Musa salam, they tried to hurt him. They say, بَلْ كَانَ أَذَاهُمْ إِيَّاهُ was by claiming alayhi qatla Harun. They accused Musa of killing Harun What happened was, two or three years, based on the difference of opinion, before Musa passed away, he went climbing a mountain with Harun Sa'id Musa wa Harun al-Jabal. They both went to climb a mountain. فَمَاتَ Harun, And it was during their hike that Harun passed away. فَقَالَتْ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلَ أَنْتَ قَتَلْتَهُ وَكَانَ أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لَنَا مِنْكَ وَأَلْيَلُ لَنَا مِنْكَ فَاذُوهُ بِذَلِكَ They said to Musa السلام, when he came back after Harun السلام, died, that you killed him. He was kinder to us. We liked him more. He used to love us more. And you killed him. And obviously when you accuse a brother, who is also a prophet of Allah and also innocent, and also was the one who made dua that his brother got nubuwa, when you accuse him of killing his brother, Naturally, that's going to hurt. And this hurt Musa alayhi salam. So what does it mean? فَبَرَّأَهُ اللَّهُ That Allah purified him. Allah uh, made him bari, uh, exonified him from his, exonerated him from, from these accusations. What does that mean? The ulama, they write, what this means is that the body of Harun alayhi salam came in front of them. And the angels, they said to the people that Musa alayhi salam did not kill him. That his body was returned to where he had um, where he had passed away. So with that, we'll close off today, inshallah. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us tawfiq. The purpose, uh, or the, the summary of today's class is discussing some of the ungrateful moments that Banu Israel had with Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. And I want each and every one of us here to think of moments that we are ungrateful with Allah. How sometimes we try to create loopholes around the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making a mockery out of revelation. Sometimes how we're so skeptical of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a place where we don't have it. Ya Allah, I demand to see you, like those people said. I demand to hear you, like those people said. How we keep asking Allah for things when in reality what we have is more than enough. Are you not happy with the card that you have that you keep asking Allah for the next one? This is a sign of being ungrateful. Learn to be grateful and content with what you have in life. This was a mistake Banu Israel made, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights it repeatedly again and again in the Quran. Inshallah, I pray to Allah that our next class will inshallah be the last class on Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. It may or may not be. So I'm making it clear. Because before I finish off the story, there are three major incidents in the Quran that I wish to cover. The first is the story of the Baqarah. The second is the story of Qarun. The third is the story of Khidr. And then we can go into the passing way of Musa alayhi salam. Now, uh, each of these stories have a lot of detail. I'll try to cover them in one session. That's my goal, inshallah. But it's very possible we may need two more sessions to go through these three stories. 
And with that, we'll close off the story of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants barakah and accepts. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.